You're listening to Across the Table, a healthcare private equity podcast brought to you by McGuire Woods. Across the Table brings you inside the conversation with the specialists and professionals of the healthcare private equity industry. Hello, and welcome to our new episode of the Across the Table podcast, a podcast focused on healthcare private equity. Today, the episode is hosted by myself, Holly Buckley, and my co-host, Amber Walsh. I am the co-chair of the McGuire Woods Healthcare and Life Sciences Industry Team, and Amber is the healthcare department chair with McGuire Woods. Today, we're joined by a very special guest, Michael Croyne of Physician Growth Partners. Michael is an investment banker focusing in the middle market provider services transactions, but let me turn over to Michael and have him give a more fulsome introduction and tell us a little about himself and his expertise and physician growth partners. Yes, thank you, Holly. As Holly mentioned, my name is Michael Croyne. I'm one of the founders and managing partners of Physician Growth Partners. And our business and, and what we do is we're, we're really healthcare transaction advisors that focus in on representing founder-owned single specialty physician platforms in transaction with private equity. And our model is really focused on, on call it three prongs. Number one, it is obviously maximizing value for our client. But at the same time, it's also making sure that we identify a private equity partner that will be a cultural fit, but at the same time, also have the relevant experience to ensure a successful go-forward relationship. I think too many times, and this is the principles of what, how we were founded, too many times we got involved in transactions where the focus and emphasis had been on the economics, but at the same time, the position here is to really ensure that there is that cultural fit and that the, the relationship on a go-forward basis is successful because this is what the doctors will have to live with. Since we were founded at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, we probably completed close to 20 transactions to private equity. Our time is spent really where there has been recent or current consolidation happening, so including dermatology, eye care, urology, pain management, gastroenterology, ENT, and, and many more. So that's a little bit about myself and, and who we are at Physician Growth Partners. Perfect. Thanks, Michael. And can you maybe give us a sense of what 2020 has looked like from a deal perspective from your vantage point? Yes, no problem. So from a deal volume perspective, it was definitely a, a very interesting year for a number of reasons. Starting off the year, we were actually seeing significant momentum from 2019 go well into 2020 until obviously the, the pandemic hit. I think at that point, we did see the M&A market for physician practice deals halt. It was really probably between, you know, what's called March through May, where I believe everyone, including ourselves, was really focused on trying to understand what the new norm really looked like. Once the summer months really hit, you know, with the deals that were close to the finish line pre-pandemic, we viewed that both buyers and sellers, including ourselves as advisors, really focused in on getting creative and figuring out ways to share risk, both from a buyer and seller perspective, to get deals across the finish line. And our big role in what we seen was making sure that, number one, everyone took a reasonable approach, and then, number two, 
making sure that no one was put in a disadvantage for selling their practice during a pandemic rather than waiting a couple months. And with the deals that just started their processes with the pandemic, there has been a significant focus with our clients in terms of getting back to pre-COVID volume levels to ensure that we can position the business appropriately and get the buyer universe comfortable to minimize any sort of holdbacks or, or earnouts with the business. So at a high level, you know, obviously with the pandemic, we did see a pretty significant halt on transactions. But throughout the summer months, we did see a pickup on deals in terms of trying to get creative and, and reasonable and getting across the finish line. And now we're really focused in on being, you know, middle of November, focusing in on ensuring our clients are getting back to kind of the pre-COVID volume levels and, and utilizing that momentum to go to market. So it's actually very interesting uh, with uh, where we are today, we are actually seeing deal volume very similar to what we saw pre-COVID, which gives us all the indications that there's still an interest to go down the private equity route. You know, sellers still have a willingness to ultimately complete a transaction and find a right partner that could help them achieve their goals and succession plan. Michael, that's a great point about finding the right buyer. And you mentioned earlier in your comments about the distinction between deals based on pricing versus other important factors. And obviously, the transactions that you're seeing largely involve private equity buyers. But what we see, I'm sure you see this as well, is physician practices are comparing several different types of buyers, including the local hospital system or other major groups in their area. How do you normally counsel your clients through that, kind of the pros and cons of different buyer types? And has that shifted with the pandemic? That's a great question. I think at a high level, our focus when we advise our clients is really to understand what their goals and succession plans are, right? And utilizing that avenue to tailor a process to ensure we can achieve those goals, right? And, you know, a number of factors are that we consider is, look, is, you know, what does the shareholder dynamic group look like, right? Is it a group of younger docs? that are looking to continue to scale? Is it a group of older docs that are looking at it from closer to a retirement perspective? Is it a group that will be attractive to private equity and or the hospital systems? I think with that said, the other point that we really look at is making sure that it's very specialty specific, right? You know, when you look at dermatology and eye care, rarely do we see any transactions or interest from the hospital systems. But when you get into more of the surgical type specialties, call it orthopedics, urology, et cetera. That's where hospital systems, depending on the market, are definitely competing and getting actively involved. But from a broader perspective, we're seeing continued interest from our clients to continue to be represented in a transaction with private equity. And when we look at private equity, we really look at three angles within the private equity community. Number one is being an initial platform, an initial hub, which is the ultimately the private equity call it, initial transaction to get into a specialty. 
The second component we look at from a buyer universe is groups that perhaps would utilize this organization as a beachhead to enter into a new market. And they don't have a presence within the state, so they utilize this platform as their beachhead or hub to really establish a presence. And then number three is you you also do have opportunities where private equity groups that are actively involved in the specialty and that they're going to utilize the clientele as an add-on acquisition within the market that they already have a presence in. So we're continuing to see excitement and interest in exploring those three options. I think from our experience, all of our transactions have been pushed towards private equity. And considering the fact that then they, they are looking at it from an angle. A lot of our clientele is looking at an angle for growth, monetization, and also clinical autonomy from a certain degree. That's super interesting. And I want to just bounce back a little bit to your earlier comment in terms of the pandemic and its impact. And as you're, as you're bringing these deals to market and you're, whether they fit into any one of those three different buckets, you mentioned before trying to make sure that the deal is structured so that the seller doesn't have to, or neither party has to disproportionately bear the risk from a COVID perspective and the impact of the pandemic and the shutdowns. Are you finding that the market swung a little bit from being maybe what would be perceived in 2019 as being very seller-friendly and, and kind of a real seller's market to more of a buyer's market? Or do you still think we're in a similar spot just with a particular challenge that we have to work through? That's a great question. And I look at it from, call it, two different angles. The first angle I would look at it is, are we talking about a smaller, call it, tuck-in acquisition or an add-on acquisition? Or are we talking about more of a larger platform transaction? So the way I think about it, and and the number of clients that we represented that were more on the, call it, the, the Tucking type acquisition, we actually saw the market keeping valuation relatively the same, but there was a focus in on some sort of holdback amount to share the risk to ensure the business gets back to pre-COVID level. And so the buyer wouldn't fully be burdened by that, by that risk. So there was, for example, perhaps 20% of the purchase price would, would be treated as some sort of, call it, burnout that would be associated back, getting back to call it the pre-COVID revenue level, right? And getting created from that type of angle to ensure there is at least some sort of protection, knowing that the historical numbers aren't what they were in 2019. On the larger platform transactions, what we are seeing there is actually, you know, call it approximately a half or a full turn lower in valuation. I think that is being driven by really the debt has gotten more expensive and lenders do not have the same appetite as they did prior to the pandemic, which is resulting in a slight valuation difference. But all in all, we're talking about today's environment versus what it was a couple months ago. The key emphasis has been really on ensuring volume have been approached to pre-COVID levels to prove out and get the market comfortable that we're back in business. And this is something we're very focused in on. We track on a weekly, monthly basis with our clientele to ensure that we can utilize that momentum 
to approach the market at the appropriate time to give them comfort that we've been able to not only just survive the storm, but be able to be proactive and take advantage of the scenario situation in continuing to focus on growth and building the business. Michael, are there any specific sectors in particular? I know you mentioned a few earlier, just more globally, but any particular sectors that are really heating up as we end 2020? And are there any sectors that seem to be getting a lot of attention from private equity that's surprising to you and may be attributable to the pandemic or otherwise? No, that's, that's a great question. I think at a high level, what I see is actually getting a lot of attention right now is really what's called the results of specialties that began consolidating, let's call it five to seven years ago, like in dermatology. There's definitely been some success stories in getting to that so-called second bite of the apple with forefront dermatology going to Omers from Varsity. You got West Derm that trade to some capital from HIG. And then more, most recently, you have Anne Arundel Dermatology trading to Ridgemont from New Mainstream, which was, I think, recently announced that week. But at the same time, you also do have a couple horror stories that are out there from a restructuring standpoint where groups have to give the keys to their lenders. At the same time, we are seeing a new wave of consolidation, more of the, what's called the capital intensive and ancillary-driven specialty like in urology, orthopedics, gastroenterology, women's health, ENT. And it's interesting what we're seeing here on these kind of newer consolidated specialties where the focus has been on building the specialty at a national level rather than focusing on regional consolidation. I truly believe that is really due to you know, the size and sophistication of some of these groups versus what they were in some of the earlier specialties. But that is something that we've identified where groups that partner with private equity, let's call it within urology, are looking at it out of the gate as how we build something at a national scale rather than focusing at it from a, a regional perspective. And changing the topic slightly here, And you mentioned earlier the importance of helping physicians find a great cultural fit and really thinking about life after the transaction. How do you work with physician groups to both prepare them for a sale, but also help guide them towards finding that great cultural fit and go forward partner? Great question. I think our focus is really call it educating the physician, our client, right, the physician, founder of physician group on the key components, not only from a valuation and governance perspective, but also from a relationship and experience perspective from a, from the buyer universe. And the key point that we focus in on is really doing a number of reference checks, putting out questionnaires focusing on understanding some of the other specialties that they've partnered with and the results of those specialties, and really looking at that resume and trying to understand and get comfortable that they have the experience, they have the wherewithal, they have the network 
to really help scale the organization. And our big focus is when we run these processes is to ensure that this isn't a scenario where our client will be their, call it, guinea pig in figuring out how to grow a physician practice deal, and this is their first go around doing so. Just knowing the complication, the sophistication, and the, the emphasis on ensuring that you're aligning with the founding group to have a successful relationship, right? And, and that's kind of how we're focusing in on our processes, making sure that we help identify, we help do research, you know, even position the buyers to even present to us, tell us about some of their success stories, some of their failures, really try to utilize these different mechanisms to truly understand if they have a very similar strategic vision as their shareholder group does to ensure goals are aligned and successions are planned. That makes a lot of sense. So one final question for you, Michael, as we head into the end of the year and and look at what hopefully is a slightly more stable 2021, what are your key observations for the next year? What do you think we're going to see more of, less of? What trends do you anticipate seeing? I think they're really, at a high level, they're really two major catalysts that I see are set for 2021. I think with the news today on the vaccine being effective, I think it'll be very important to see how quick the vaccine can be distributed throughout the country, right, and the reaction there. I think number two, there is obviously with the election coming to an end and realizing who the president is going to be, I think there's going to be a focus on understanding the ability to get the his tax plan approved which will potentially start putting sellers in a position to determine if they if it's beneficial for them to do something in 2021 rather than hold for a period of time. Other than that, I think we're going to we expect to see the market continue to consolidate. I think for the specialties that have been consolidating for a number of years, like they said in eye care and dermatology, I think we'll see a continuation of PVAC platforms to continue to consolidate and add on practices under their umbrella. I really don't envision too many new P investments within the two specialties continue to be made unless they're going for their second bite, considering the population of private equity-backed groups within eye care and dermatology. I think it's north of 30 groups within each of these specialties. I think at the same time, you're going to start really seeing a pickup of new platforms within the newer specialties that are consolidating, like in gastroenterology, ENTology. And I think at the end of the day, there's going to be a number of new announcements over the next several months going into 2021 on consolidation within the newer specialties and kind of getting closer towards I wouldn't call it maturity, but populated with P investments. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. This has gotten me personally excited for 2021 deal-making. Really look forward to seeing how things play out and some of your predictions in particular. Again, this is Amber Walsh, and I am joined by my partner, Holly Buckley, 
as today's host of the McGuire Woods Across the Table podcast. Today, our guest was Michael Coyne, Managing Partner of Physician Growth Partners, having a discussion about private equity investments in the outlook and experiences throughout 2020 and into 2021 for physician practice transactions. And we are thankful and hope everyone enjoyed the discussion. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us on this episode of Across the Table. To learn more about today's discussion or to contact us, please visit our website at mcguirewoods.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This podcast was recorded and is being made available by McGuire Woods for informational purposes only. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that McGuire Woods makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in the podcast. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily reflect those of McGuire Woods. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice from a licensed professional attorney in your state and should not be construed as an offer to make or consider any investment or course of action.